Donna has published an acclaimed e-zine, and she writes for the Huffington Post, Bleefnet, and UPI Religion and Spirituality Forum. She serves as a ritual consultant for the television and film industry. Mama Donna, as she is affectionately called, maintains a ceremonial center, spirit shop, ritual practice, and consultancy in exotic Brooklyn, New York, where she works with individuals, groups, institutions, municipalities, and corporations to create meaningful ceremonies for every imaginable occasion. And you can find her at DonnaHennis.net, and that's Donna, H-E-N-E-S.net, or the Queen of Myself. Dot com, or, uh, well, she also has her phone number here, but I'm not going to give that out on the air. Um, unless Donna wants to, she can herself. But, uh, Donna, thank you so much uh, for being in the anthology and uh, for being with me again here on the show. Um, I so value your wisdom. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, I have one correction to make. Uh, I think maybe you have a, a slightly older uh, bio because now I have five books published. <laughs> My new book came out a couple months ago, so um, it's called oh, Blessed okay. House, Creating Sacred Space Where You Live, Work, and Travel. Oh, that sounds nice. Well, and you know, I was reading that from the uh, from the back of Awaken the Feminine, and oh, this yes. was the. Uh, yeah, this was the um, the proof. So I don't know if uh, if that new book made it into that bio or not. But thank you for bringing it up, so folks would know there's another book of yours out there. Yeah, sure. Well, I'm glad to because uh, we all need sacred space. <laughs> <laughs> That's for sure, especially in this day and age. Exactly. And, you know, um, I have to ask you, um, as I was reading that bio, uh, I got a flashback. Um, I was in Brooklyn once in a shop that sounded like it could have been yours. By any chance, are you on a residential street in the shop as a converted house? Wow, no, I am on a residential street, but... Um, my center is actually in a converted Victorian school building, so it's it's not really ah, a door okay. onto the sidewalk. You couldn't you wouldn't know it was here just walking by. So oh, up, okay, up, I thought because well, wouldn't that? <laughs> okay, yeah, I mean, I was thinking, wouldn't that be something if I had actually been in your shop, uh, you know, these those many years ago? But uh, well, I was in the same city. <laughs> Yeah, a lot of shops <laughs> in New York City. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, so let's uh, let's go ahead and turn our attention to um, uh, your essay, uh, which was in uh, the new um, uh, the new anthology, uh, "Awaken the Feminine." Your uh, essay was uh, owning our power and using it. Um, why why did you want that to be your message in the anthology, Donna? Well, because I think it's so important, especially right now, uh, because women are beginning, I think, to connect with their power, to connect with other women of power, and right now to take, what is it, a hundred and some new women into Congress. So um, this is a great time for women, but it's just a beginning we still don't have an yeah. equal rights amendment, which totally blows my mind, is that 
we are literally not considered to be equal equal what members of this country <laughs> yeah. Equal yeah. citizens it's shocking to me but it's true so we we have a yeah, lot of work a hard to, to do you know yeah. Well, and, and would you say women historically, and maybe not so much anymore, but for a while, I mean, because look, I'm in my early 60s. I don't know how old you are, but I think maybe women for a time, maybe of our generation or our mother's generation, they weren't comfortable with the idea of power. Do you think that's still the case or is that fading away? Well, I think for a lot of women that's the case. Um, I'm actually I'm working on a new book. I've been on and off working on this for a while. Um, when I finished the book, The Queen of Myself, Stepping into Sovereignty in Midlife, I did a workshop at the Omega Institute in uh, upstate New York and was talking to all these women about how many women there are, how many of us are of a certain age, and I think that's important, uh, and how powerful we are if only we would use that power. And one woman raised her hand and said, and if only we weren't afraid of it. And that set me on a whole course of empowerment of women because women are, well, not all women, obviously, uh, and hopefully fewer and fewer women are afraid of our own power. And I think that there are a lot of reasons for that. Um, I mean, if you look now, all these women who are running for president now, there's not one good thing being said about any of them. Everyone is being pulled apart and some men have declared, and they're not being pulled apart by the media or whatever. Um, so I think that the whole idea of women in power is scary. It's scary to some men, obviously, and hopefully not that many men. Um, but it's frightening to our whole culture, and unfortunately it's frightening to women ourselves. And um, Yeah. Yeah, it, it's 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 very upsetting because every time a woman steps up and steps forward and uses her voice, uses her intuitive powers, using uses her nurturing powers, using all these extraordinary wisdoms that women carry, she gets stepped on. And the women who do quote unquote make it as it were uh, whether it's in the corporate world or in the entertainment industry or as writers or whatever, these women are pulled down so fast. It's it's horrible. Um, I I read something that Oprah wrote, and I'm you know I I really like a lot of things about Oprah, but I'm not you know a, a, a cheering fan necessarily. But she said the saddest thing that I've ever heard a woman say. She said that the hardest part of being successful is finding somebody to be glad for you. <laughs> yeah. Isn't that horrible? Well, <laughs> it, it is. It is. Um, but, you know, I wonder if it's not something to do with the fact that, um, you know, sometimes when women are successful, 
uh, instead of having the support of other women, they, they get the jealousy of other women. You know, that lobster pot analogy, you know, when, the, you know, the lobster finally crawls out of the boiling water and, you know, there's all the others down still in the water trying to pull, you know, pull the one that's making it out back down into the water. Um, I wonder if it doesn't have something to do with that. Exactly does. It, it absolutely does. I remember I was in, um, actually, it was the first consciousness raising group in New York uh, back in the uh, 60s, the end of the 60s. And I remember reading all of these, all of a sudden, all these women writers were, were writing lovely novels um, and their main character, they seemed to be in competition in a way with their main character because all the main characters were suffering and were victims. There were, there were not a whole lot of women victors. And that was kind of interesting. And I remember in that earliest feminine movement, feminist movement being at some meetings and early meetings of uh, now and so on, and I would hear women say when Gloria Steinem stood up and talked, like, who does she think she is? It's like, whoa. Mm-hmm. Whoa. Yeah. yeah. So I think it's because the pie doesn't have very many slices allocated for women on whatever level and whatever sector of the pie you're in. And so yeah. that kind of forces women to compete with each other for their tiny little crumbs. And right, right. Yeah, it's it's it's. But I think that all is changing too. Uh, I uh, for some reason. You know, I. Sorry. No, go ahead. No, you go. Go I'm on this email list, and I'm not sure how I got there, but it's called the broadsheet, which is about women in business, which is definitely not my forte. Um, but broad is a, obviously is a, a play on words, and it's about women into and coming into powerful positions in different companies and so on and so on. And it's it's just it's there's so many stories of of women who don't feel support in their company from the few other women who are in equal or even superior positions or whatever. But a lot of that is changing. And and there have been articles in there about women becoming allies within their company or their business or their shop or wherever they're working and and reaching out to each other in a supportive way. And that's that's very heartening. Um, so I, I think changing. I think so too, and and I wonder if it isn't generational. Um, you know the you know the women uh, you know the older women maybe, um, and I'm going to say you know my age, my mother's age, because maybe the pie had fewer pieces, uh, there was more competition. Uh, maybe now as the years have um, gone on. Uh, there, there are more pieces of the pie, so maybe the younger women don't feel such pressure um, to compete with each other. Um, I mean, I know when I first got into the goddess community uh, back in the early 90s, 
Um, and, um, I mean, I didn't know when I first got in it I would be a leader of any sort. You know, I just sort of followed my intuition. And I have to tell you, I was amazed at the number of women who were just waiting to chop my head off, you know, <laughs> find something I did wrong or uh, to criticize or gossip or, you know, anything but walking the talk that we were spouting, you know, women's empowerment, sisterhood, perfect love and perfect trust, you know, which we would say before we entered a ritual, but was so far from the truth. But, you know, unless maybe I've just, you know, managed to maneuver the toxic personalities out of my life, I'd say maybe the last 10 years, um, it hasn't been quite like that, you know. It's um, I, I, there's been more people that seem to be on the bandwagon of sisterhood and support rather than competition. So, um, you know, maybe maybe there is a real trend out there, like you're referring to. I think so, and I, I, this just came into my mind. I haven't really thought about this before, but I'm wondering if the whole new age movement, the self-help movement and so on, hasn't made some kind of a difference because really how do we find our power and that's by looking at ourselves and by learning how to respect ourselves and honor ourselves. If we can't honor ourselves, how can we honor another woman? Um, The essay in this anthology uh, I started with a story that happened in my life <laughs> several decades ago. Um, I was in in uh, San Francisco to do a winter solstice celebration. I was a visiting professor at the College of Art and Design in San Francisco, and this was my special project, quote-unquote. Um, and I didn't have a community there. And usually, I mean, you know, when I do these events, there there are regulars and there are men and women but who come all the time, and this is their religion, as it were. Um, but I, I didn't, I had one friend with me that I, that I knew in San Francisco, and that, that was it. And so I did an event at the women's bookstore, which does not exist anymore, uh, to just to introduce myself and to talk about the winter solstice and to invite people to come and invite people to come help and you know we were going to set up 360 candelarias along the Pacific Ocean and so on and so on and I obviously needed help to do that and this one woman stood up in a very aggressive kind of hostile way very very challenging way. And she whips her hat off, and and I see that she has shaved her head, and she just made a very imposing figure. And she said, are men allowed? And I said, yes, of course, because the winter solstice is a a global, a celestial holiday. Uh, If this were, you know, a, a blood ritual, if this was a menopause, if this was a menarche, if this was a childbirth, of course it would be women only. But this is this is for everybody. And she said, but men always take over. And my gut reaction, which I actually said out loud, I said, well, then why do you let them? <laughs> and she yeah. said, well, they always take over. And 
that has not been my I'm now in my 44th annual preparing for my 44th annual spring equinox celebration and uh, there are men and women who come to every one of these a, a different group every time but lots of regulars a lot of men in all these years i mean my gosh almost 50 years i can't even believe i can say such a thing uh no man has ever challenged me no man has ever me tried either. to take over um and what no, is the chance that I, we that's do that's not my reality <laughs> Right. It's called reverence to her. And they all drum and chant that, you know. Well, I'm sorry. Any man who can say reverence to her is okay by me. And we need everybody to change this planet. It can't only be the women, but it has to be equally, at least equally, the women. Um, But I want to ask. I want to ask you about power and getting power. Um, uh, and, you know, and I want you to define power, but I, I want to preface, um, preface your answer with um, a question. Um, <laughs> I, I recently spoke to a woman who, um, I, I believe she's older than I am. And, and, again, I don't know if this is a generational thing or, you know, this isn't a woman that's been in the goddess community either. And I don't even know if she would consider herself a feminist. Um, she, was, uh, she was really kind of trashing the Me Too movement in a way, um, saying that um, she believed, you know, what the women were, you know, uh, after was valid and necessary, but it was the way they were going about it. She said she thought that they shouldn't be demanding, they shouldn't be so forceful, um, that she didn't feel like they were really acting like women. They were acting more like men. And, um, you know, on on a gut level, I didn't agree with her, but I was having trouble languaging to her why I disagreed with her. And I don't know, I guess I just wonder, you know, I mean, I look at you as a mentor. Um, do you think the women in the Me Too movement, and um, do you do you think they're betraying themselves as women the the way they're going after power? Oh well, I don't know that that they would think of it that they're going after power. I think that they are standing up for themselves, for their rights, for their body, for their their respect by others, their self-respect. They wouldn't have self-respect if they didn't stand up for themselves. And in my experience, if you don't have self-respect, nobody else respects you either. So, no, I don't think they were acting like men, and men do not get raped every five seconds, although they, you know, it does happen. But this... Yeah. It it was, it's very, and, and the more women who stood up, the more women felt entitled that they, too, could tell their story. Just today, a a senator, a woman senator, came out as a survivor. She was a military person, came out as a survivor of military rape that she had never told before because, quote, this is her words, she did not trust the system. Mm-hmm. And so mm-hmm. for these women to stand up and say, excuse me, this is my body, and you have no right to touch me, let alone 
to rape me, um, that's not acting like a man. I'm, I, I, I don't know. I, Go ahead. Well, no, I, I was just going to say I didn't quite, um, you know, I, I couldn't, uh, I couldn't agree with her either. You know, uh, at least the way she was languaging it, you know, it didn't seem to me, you know, the women uh, who have been marching in the streets since Trump's been in office, the, you know, the Me Too movement women, you know, um, I, I don't know. It just felt like she thought they were going about it um, too forcefully. And, you know, and I said to her, well, what else do you expect them to do, you know? Um, it, it felt like to me, you know, she wanted them to, to maybe be um, not so assertive or more passive. It was almost as if their standing up made her uncomfortable. And, um, and like I said, you know, maybe it's a generational thing. You know, she's kind of a woman who you know, uses sweetness to get what she wants. Mm -hmm. And, um, and I mean, I've seen her in action do that, and it works for her. And I guess maybe I think she thought women, you know, that old saying, you attract more flies with honey. Um, I think that's what she really meant, but I don't think that's very practical. Not, not and anymore. Who wants to I mean, attract those, flies? Those... <laughs> really? <laughs> 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 I, it's funny that she would say that because I think, I mean, when, I, I don't know, I mean, when I was part of the New York, you know, uh, marches, and we had something like 800,000 people on the street, women and men, but I'm sorry, wearing pink knitted pussy hats is hardly aggressive. I think there was a lot of sense of humor. And there was a lot of humanity projected. And, and, well, New York is such a, such a special place. But the policemen who were along the sidelines were wearing pussy hats. And, uh, that, was, that was a highlight of the day for me, actually. But this was hardly right. aggressive. This was hardly setting fires and, and breaking windows and, I don't know, uh, and yeah, and there's so much to be angry at, and I am furious uh, personally, but I think of it not as fury so much. I've been thinking about it as righteous indignation, and yeah. I like that yeah. better, you know, because it comes from yeah. my moral code, and I don't hate yeah. anybody, um, but I am pissed, you know. And I am most curious at this point with how we are treating Mother Earth. Um, And nobody is going to get through this if we don't change really quickly. So, well, you know, um, this friend friend I was friend I was referring to said, use the example of I think it was Golda Meir. She said, uh, you know, look look what she used to accomplish by inviting men to her kitchen and cooking for them. You know, that was, I, I just thought of that. That was another example she used of a better way to wield power. And, uh, but, you know, I don't know. I just think it's too late for that, you know, uh, if, if that would ever have worked. Well, it worked in the 40s for sure. That, I think that was very clever. But Golda Meir was a tough broad, and she was not a wuss at all. 
so I mean, she might have looked like a grandma, uh, but she was a, she was a tough one. So, yeah. Yeah. you know, I mean, I don't know. I mean, I, I think sometimes it's okay to use whatever means is necessary. Well, not every <laughs> every means that's necessary, because I don't think violence is ever necessary, or at least I don't want to think that. Um, but I I think it's just so interesting, and I I and I had this revelation the other I don't know the, a couple of weeks ago I guess it was uh, there somebody on uh, on MSN what is that WMSN whatever the um, the television station did a town hall meeting with Nancy Pelosi, and I had never really seen her up close in action, the way she's been highlighted now. And I, when she spoke, I could, I had this sudden understanding why some people were really put off by Hillary. And I supported Hillary all the way, I have to say. So uh, th- this is not me that I'm speaking about. But Hillary, maybe because she wore pants, Maybe because she said it the way it was. Maybe because she did speak out. Maybe because I'm not sure all those things. But I think that a lot of women and a lot of men, well, a lot of women, a lot of men supported her. But I think some did think that she was more manly. And uh, mm-hmm. and I thought that Pelosi is was so different in her demeanor. She said much more radical things than Hillary ever said. Much more left-wing, much more avant-garde, scary thinking for a lot of people. But she spoke so softly and so calmly, and she just explained it in so beautiful terms that it wasn't threatening and it wasn't scary and i could i could see that difference and i could see how people might see them as being very different and they are yeah. different and they're yeah. both men of great power and great intellect and great you know great influence uh, but pelosi has has a softer touch let's just put it that way yeah yeah even though she's yeah. much well, and, you know I- well, and, and I think, you know, women are damned if they do and damned if they don't because, <laughs> I mean, I, I mean, look, I voted for Hillary, but I, my first choice was Bernie. Uh, but I think Hillary was in a catch, in, in a trick bag because if she had come off softer, as you're describing Pelosi, you know they probably would have called her weak. And as soon as she tries to not look soft, they'd probably say she's strident, you know. Right. Right. Well, she um, wins you know, and, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, listen, I, we're going to take a break, and, and but when we come back, I want to get back to your essay. Um, we're going to play a commercial, and then I want to hear you talk about what you believe power is, how you get power, and how it's different from patriarchal power. Okay. Okay. All right. We'll be right back. Okay. The psychic state of the collective unconscious, which is that consciousness of the planet. It's called the chronic mind, the mind of the earth. 
Our ancestors understood that the animal and divine were all connected, they were together. But there wasn't a separation, and that's what we are trying to return to, is that sense that our animal nature is divine, it doesn't get in the way of the divine, it gets us closer to it. What's your idea of being fully alive as a human being, because that's what's really spiritual? Write it down. Start writing your own Bible if you want. And by that, I just mean sweaty, fun, happy sex. Well, you've been listening to one of the trailers for Dancing with Gaia, Joe Carson's feature-length documentary film, in it she interviews 15 visionaries and teachers about earth energy, sacred sexuality, and the return of goddess as Gaia. Joe traveled to ancient sacred sites all over Europe and the Mediterranean to shoot this film. These spiritual sites from northern Scotland to central Turkey profoundly affected the origins of Western culture. If you've always wanted to see these places yourself but haven't, this is an opportunity to experience some of the best ones right from your armchair and get their story. The DVD comes packaged with a 45-page color mini-book, which goes even deeper into the material. You can buy the DVD and booklet for only $20. And the website where you find it is dancingwithgaia.com, dancingwithgaia.com. So, um, listeners, if you just happen to be tuning in, uh, I am talking to Mama Donna Hennis. Uh, she's one of the contributors to the new anthology, Awaken the Feminine, which is a third, uh, the third one in the Manifesting a New Normal trilogy. And um, we're discussing her essay, Owning Our Power and Using It. So, uh, Mama Donna, what, uh, what is power? How do you define it, and uh, how do you get it? Power is power is neutral. Uh, lightning is power. Electricity is power. Charisma is power. It's our intention that makes it positive or negative. Uh, what? <clears throat> excuse me. What do we want power for? How do we want to use it? That's what. We, that's what differentiates between a power that's scary or a power that's dangerous, a power that uh, is domineering, and a power that is uplifting, and a power that is energizing, and a power that is supportive. So I think of that in a way as a matriarchal, patriarchal, or a masculine, feminine view of power. And the patriarchal view of power is power over. There's always somebody above you, basically always somebody above you who can say no, whether it's a parent or a teacher or a boss or a a, a preacher or a a, a politician or whatever. There's, you know, power is stepped in an up Upward, it's like a ladder, I suppose, in the patriarchal culture. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. power is really for in that culture. Of course, we live in that culture. Is defined as power over, and 
specifically power over by any means necessary. So it's power by domination or exploitation or victimization or enslavement or, or um, you know, violence. A, another way of looking at power is empowerment from within, the power of the self. And that's where, when I said before, I wonder if the self-help, self-actualization movement isn't responsible for some of this change um, because you can't feel your power if you are not in touch with yourself, if you don't understand yourself, if you don't respect yourself, if you don't honor yourself, then you can't really stand in your power. You can't be sure of what you're saying. You're, you're always going to question yourself. And uh, I call that niggly thinking, you know, these self-deprecating thoughts that we are always challenging ourselves with. Oh, that could never happen. Oh, am I good enough? Do I? Oh, do I deserve that? Oh, do I dare ask for that? And I notice that women, uh-huh. I'm really trying to cure myself of this word. Women use the word just a lot. Oh, excuse me, I just want to say something. Well, no, I want to say something. <laughs> you know? uh, just is such a diminutive uh, word, and it, I, it's so damaging to us subconsciously, I think, um, that I, I notice that I say it too sometimes, and I'm really trying to not to. Um, yeah, I, 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 I have a bad habit myself. I'll go, you know, this is probably a stupid idea, but... <laughs> right, right. Um, right, you, you're diminishing well, you know, there yourself was a woman... before you even say what your idea is. You're exactly, just saying, well, you, exactly. have, you have the right to think this is stupid because, you know what, I think it's stupid. And, um, <laughs> you know, that's, no. Yeah, it's just, yeah. Uh, it, it's, well, it's, um, you know, there was a, a, a woman at the Academy Awards, um, <clears throat> beautiful black woman. She won one of the awards, and for the life of me, um, I didn't recognize her name. I hadn't seen her movie, um, but she said something I think her mother told her or her mentor told her, and it stuck with me, and I've been repeating it whenever I get a chance. Um, she said that she was told early on um, that um, – um, uh, oh, God, here I, I lost it. Um, oh, uh, that she did her she did her best, and that was perfectly good enough. And right. you know, and I think some of us question if our best is really any good at all. Mm-hmm. You know, much less much less um, you know good enough to compete out there in the world and be worthy of you know, other people to listen or follow or whatever, you know? Exactly, exactly. Uh, If anybody out there listening has ever seen a capoeira uh, demonstration, capoeira is a martial art that originated in Africa, um, actually under Queen King Nzinga, and taken over to Brazil with the Portuguese, you know, in the slave trade. 
there's a movement that, they, first of all, in capoeira, the rule is, it's kind of like soccer. You don't use your hands. And you don't use your hands because hands are not for fighting, hands are not for destroying, hands are for creating. But every once in a while there's this movement where they stoop down and scrape the earth and then rub their chest. And what they're doing is they're scraping up, A, some of Mother Earth to empower themselves with, and, of course, the earth is where the ancestors are. And so they are taking their power from those who went before, from the earth herself. And I think that is just so beautiful. And it's a very powerful martial art because Brazil had the first slave uprising, and they won just by using their feet and heads. <laughs> they actually wow. won. So um, that so that to me speaks of different kinds of power. What is power? And and power over is certainly one thing, but power over or through ourself and our and our trust and belief in ourself is true power. And it's um, really. That kind of power is really about developing emotional autonomy. You know, it's another way of saying that I'm emotionally dependent, independent, I'm sorry. And that's crucial to the success of anybody in any circumstance, that I can do this. I know I can do this. I have the wherewithal to do this. And if I can't do it, I can ask for help. And that's not demeaning me. That's, you know, it's very powerful to ask for help. And it's interesting because when I teach classes uh, in tarot, we we talk a lot about Jung's idea of of, uh, stereotypes and and archetypes. And one of the archetypes that he assigns to women and that women really identify with is receptivity. And yes, women are especially receptive when it comes to our intuition and our inner voice and our knowing. But I find that women are great at loving. We don't have any trouble loving. There are all these books written, Women Who Love Too Much. But we do have trouble asking for and accepting, receiving the love and support and sometimes help that we want and that we need. Um, it's yeah. hard for us somehow to open to that. It's it's very interesting because I know for years people will always that people will say the nicest things to me like, "Oh, do you need any help?" or "Oh, I'd love to give you a shiatsu session." "Oh, Mama Donna, let me help you." And what did I say for years is, oh, that's really sweet, thank you, but that's okay. What the hell does that mean? That's okay? What, I can produce unlimited energy out of nothing all by myself and I don't need any help? That is totally matcha. And uh, I don't do that anymore when I realized (laughs) what what that meant, what I was saying. And it also means that I was depriving other people of being powerful 
in their way, that they had a skill yeah. they wanted to to offer. And I was saying, oh, no, I don't right. need that. That's so sad. So there, there's me, so many ways you, to look at power. And well, let me. I want to ask you something about patriarchal power, uh, and and I like the way you described it. It's power over, it's domination, it's it's exploitation, um, and you know. And I think, and a lot of times, it's often mistreatment and abuse. Mm-hmm. And I've been thinking a lot about this lately. Um, it's been a rough year, and um, and and I. I, I I, I, I wonder, and I laid it, I, I personally laid at the feet of religion to start with, but I wonder if you have a theory why we are so conditioned to accept this abuse, this mistreatment, this domination, this exploitation. We seem to roll over and become doormats so easily, so quickly. You know, we just acquiesce, and it's making me angry. <laughs> <laughs> no, that that's that is true. Um, but I'm thinking right now of all the Republicans in Congress who are not women who are just rolling under that that steam engine of horrible misuse of power and abuse of power. Right. So I don't know that it's only right. a women's thing. But I think that that kind of yeah. power is born in a sense of entitlement. And certainly boys are raised with a certain amount of entitlement that women aren't. And But also I think that through history, women, you know, women have depended on men. Uh, for protection and for for sustenance. It's like women, I'm, and I'm going way back, I'm going back to the Neolithic cave time, that women were attracted to powerful men, the whatever, the biggest hunter or the strongest guy or whatever, because probably he had the strongest genes and that our children would be able to survive, that he would be able to protect us and our children when we were at our most vulnerable and our and our weakest, uh, when either we're pregnant or nursing or, or saddled down with who knows how many kids, it was important to have somebody to protect us, I think. And I think that yeah. it's still true in our I mean, women love powerful men. And I, I'm not talking only about athletic kind of power, I'm talking about money power. I'm talking about status power. I'm talking about uh, all these kinds of, you know, big shot power, um, and because that, because they they can ride that, you know. I mean, it's not necessary uh-huh. anymore by any means, but I think that that is probably a biologic, you know, underpinning of of that of that attraction. I mean, women are not necessarily attracted to good-looking men or funny men or nice men. That's not the first thing that that catches a woman's eye, I don't think. Is, you know, how how strong is he in whatever way we interpret strength and power. Right. Right. 
And yeah. so I don't know. And yeah, that, that, the that, friend that you're talking about who uses sweetness to get what she wants or gets what she needs, that is probably the the safest way to deal with powerful men is, you know, yeah. to get what you want without getting, you know, the crap beat out of you. Uh, you know, yeah. So, um, yeah. Yeah. And the thing is well, so interesting it, it, because women are afraid of not necessarily, not only power against them or power over them. And for certain, you know, certain political, certain historic, certain uh, safety reasons, we have reason to be afraid of that. But I think at the end of the day, we're more afraid of our own power. Women are afraid of anger toward us for very good reasons. But again, in you know, in all the women that I've counseled and worked with in women's groups and so on, women are much more afraid of our own power. And we swallow it. We swallow our power and we swallow our anger. And we become depressed and depression clinically is anger turned inward. It's like swallowing glass or what is that expression, you know, taking poison and hoping the other person will die. Um, (laughs) You know, that's kind of how we deal with, with this kind of power because it's so threatening somehow and it is threatening because women who are powerful and who show their power, as we you just talked about a few minutes ago, are attacked in many, many different ways. And um, yeah. you know, it, it's we have to relearn all of this. Yeah. Well, and I guess I'm I'm thinking too about. Um, you know, how often we don't speak truth to power. We instead normalize abuse, you know. You know, whether we're talking about, um, I don't know, corporate domination, predator capitalism, um, pedophile priests, uh, nasty bosses, um, you know, I mean, the whole gamut, you know, politicians who think, you know, women are uh, incubators for the male seed still in 2019. Uh, I, I mean, it's just the whole gamut of abuse out there. You know, people working for slave wages, maybe having to work two or three jobs to pay the bills, uh, abuse by pharmaceutical companies, all of our money going to the military-industrial complex, you know, uh, a voter fraud. I mean, on and on and on and on. And, you know, it just feels like there's and, – and maybe it's just – and maybe this is just the perception that the media wants us to see. Granted, you know, I I I I, I go there, but I but it feels like we are way too quiet about all of these things. You know, the rape of Mother Earth, global warming. Um, you know, all of the the many things that are not going right. Um, I don't know. It just feels like. Uh, we're way too quiet. We're accepting of this abuse to ourselves, uh, to our culture, to our futures. I mean, like the opioid epidemic. I look at that as an epidemic of sheer hopelessness. I, I mean, I wonder if it's not something to do with that. You know, people don't have a sense of 
they really have a shot at the American dream anymore. You know, it's maybe the the opposite. And 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 they're they're just totally hopeless. And mm-hmm. I don't mean to be Debbie Downer here, but I, I'm I'm really curious about what has made us as Americans, you know, uh, the supposed, uh, you know, um, you know, all capable people who can do anything. You know, we often hear about oh we we you know went to the moon, um, but we can't seem to get a handle on this abuse and and exploitation and domination that's happening everywhere. In fact, some people will shoot themselves in the foot and, def- and in- instead of looking out for their own interests, will defend the people who are perpet- you know, um, perpetrating the abuse on themselves even, on others. I, I don't know. I, I, I know you think about these things, and I, I, I just wonder... You know, where does your mind go? What's wrong with us? Well, again, I think that we're we speaking loosely because there are some incredible women out there and always have been, I have to say. There, I don't think we would be nearly as civilized as we are now, which is not saying a hell of a lot, but if it weren't for some amazing women throughout history who have stood up um, in yeah. many cases at the risk of their own life and literally giving their life. Um, women have yeah. been very brave, I think, uh, despite the, the overwhelming power, uh, threats, violence, abuse, uh, torture of so many kinds uh, against us, and I don't think we should forget that because they're really uh, and even today, I mean, these women in Congress are so impressive. Um, yeah. I mean, just it, you know, women are at the forefront of the environmental, ecological, uh, you know, movement, as it were. Um, yeah. Yeah. I, think that it's very interesting because men are afraid to be weak and women are afraid to be powerful and I think that's well men and this has been documented by many many studies men are afraid to be failures they're afraid not to be successful they're afraid not to be strong or powerful or manly because they feel that nobody will love them because women are more, you know, have been, culturally speaking, certainly not in every case, attracted to the the more manly man, as it were. And mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. A, a woman psychologist at Harvard did a very interesting test and she her results were that the exact same percentage um, of women were afraid of success as men were afraid of failure and it was for the exact reason they were afraid they no they would not be loved 
Well, and, and, and just to clarify, when I said what's wrong with us, I didn't mean women. <laughs> I meant we humans. You know, I was late, right. you know, I was I was saying what's wrong with men, you know, as well as, as women. But that is um you know, that is very interesting. You know, we all uh we we're all afraid that we're gonna make the wrong move and deny uh or limit our chances to love. Um interesting. Yeah. Well, Mama Donna, what what um what more do you want listeners to know? Um, I have. I, I know we were going to talk about maybe a feminist concept of power. Um, have you? Uh, how would you define that? I, I feel like you kind of touched on it a little bit, and I know feminism is one of those words that needs rehabilitation. Um, <laughs> I don't. Maybe not. Not so much anymore. But in some quarters, it probably still does. You know, the feminazi label. I don't think is dead yet. <laughs> Um, you know, you know, what's, um, it, is there a different, uh, it, it is feminine power different? Um, potentially, yes, uh, in a, in a big scale and on a small scale, definitely. Um, I think that for women to exhibit power and, in terms of the conversation we're having now, power that would be illustrated by standing up, by standing in our own power, in our own center, with our own beliefs, with our own uh, ethics and our own morality and standing up for what we believe in, it has to start with self-love. It has to start... I mean, men are trained to love themselves. And women are not. Women are not. And, I mean, I, I, oh, my gosh. I mean, I can remember when I was dating 100 years ago, and my mother would send me out on a date, and she'd say, now, don't talk too much. Men don't like smart women. Just ask him questions about himself. You know, like, <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> <You know? laughs> And, but that is how, you know, and a lot has changed since I was a little girl. But one thing that hasn't changed very much at all, and most of the people that I work with are much younger than me, is our girls and women are still expected to be nice. We are not expected to be angry. We are not expected to be outspoken. And that's a hard barrier to break and the only way we can break that I think is to trust ourselves to know ourselves to have a love affair with ourselves to really feel that what we what we feel is valid what we have to say is important what we believe in is necessary that we that we are important and and I think aging has a lot to do with that because I think you reach a certain age and you can you we really can say I know what I know and beyond that mm-hmm. it's like and I know I know it <laughs> I know I know what I know right. I am old enough to be your mother right. and I can tell you a thing or two I mean that's a great kind <laughs> of empowerment and it's valid it's it is real um, right so right I think. I think that a woman can find her power through 
loving herself. And I really, one practice that I really encourage is that we bless ourselves every day, every day. Um, You don't need a special blessing oil. You don't need special holy water. You just need to touch yourself someplace every day and bless yourself both for what you are inviting into your life, your power, your self-esteem, your your uh, wisdom, your spirit, etc., cetera, etc., cetera. and to be brave enough to bless yourself with how far you've come, how much you've grown, mm-hmm. how much you've learned, how much you know, how much you've accomplished. Good girl. Wow, look what I did. Isn't that, wow, good for me. I did that. And I think that yeah. the more you yeah. do, you can do it in so many. I mean, if you wear lipstick, I wear lipstick. <laughs> I, I'm one of these people that can't leave the house without lipstick. But when I put it on, I bless what goes into this mouth and what comes out of this mouth. If I'm yeah. putting a scarf on, I bless myself. I wrap myself in blessings. I wrap myself with courage. I wrap myself with health. I wrap myself with love and support. I wrap myself with whatever it is that day that is important to me. Um, yeah. I, I did a ritual once where I I always bless the elements at a ritual, but I also always ask everybody to bless themselves. And some people have a hard time doing that. It's like some people actually have a coughing jag rather than be able to say, I bless myself. And some people say, "Well, do I dare? Am I do I qualify? Do I need to be a priestess, or you know, like how can I bless myself? Well, who can better bless you? Who better knows right, what you right. need, what you want, what you've done, what you have, who you are, who you want to be, who you aspire to be, etc. And it's it's such a beautiful practice, and every night." When I'm in bed, whether I'm in bed alone or not, if I'm alone, I'll say it out loud. If I'm not, I don't. I just say it to myself that I touch myself somewhere and I say, good night, honey, I love you. And I can say this to strangers now without being embarrassed because for more than 25 years I've been saying this every day. So... You know, you say it enough. You believe it's like if you, the more you bless yourself, the more you believe it, and the more you right. believe it. Well, and yeah, you say it. You know what I'm going to say. <laughs> well, it, well, I was going to just say I, I wanted to piggyback on on this this wonderful advice you're giving listeners, and to and to say you know that uh, I, I think it's also important that we surround ourselves with supportive people. Yes. You know, we don't need people in our lives who are going to tear us down. We need people who are going to recognize our value and help us recognize our value. Um, I mean, I can't say enough about, you know, the women in the community who 
helped me recognize my value. And, and, and then we have to use reciprocity and, you know, turn that around and also be supportive of the other women in our lives. And I think that really makes a huge difference because, you know, yes, we can bless ourselves and that, that's luscious and, and necessary, um, but I, I think we also have to, you know, make sure the people around us or believers in us and help, uh, you know, to prop us up, you know, when, you know, when, when we need it. And, and, and we have to be willing to do the same thing for them. And that makes, I think, such a huge difference in uh, who we become, how we feel about ourselves, and likewise, um, you know, the people that we reach out and uh, help. Uh, to empower themselves, you know. I, I think that's what's really been lacking a lot in at least the women's community that I've rubbed shoulders with. You know, there was a lot more backbiting than there was true, um, you know, support, which, again, I think is changing. Uh, but but it's just, it feels like it's so crucial. Um, you know, it it should be something we te- we're teaching our daughters for sure, um, you know, so that they uh, don't find out how important this is when they're 50. <laughs> you know, and, there, and, and and you've written a wonderful book about the queen of myself. You said something just a couple minutes ago about we get to this age and we know we know what we know. <laughs> exactly. And that reminded me, we're moving into our queen. And, you know, no wonder patriarchy allowed us to have the maiden, the mother, and the crone, but they didn't want us to have that queen. That's right. <laughs> That's exactly, <laughs> and that triple goddess was invented by a man. That was Robert Graves. Yeah. So yeah, yes. exactly. Yeah. Yes, and I, I I do encourage your listeners to find that book because even though the subtitle says, well, it's the Queen of Myself, but the subtitle is Stepping into Sovereignty in Midlife. But you are never too young and never too old to step into your sovereignty. And I, I think that what you just said, Karen, is so important. And I think, though, that finding that in yourself allows you to open to support by others uh, and and not demean yourself, oh, I'm just, you know, oh, thank you, but oh, yes, I'm just, you know, poor little me. Um, but it also empowers you to be a role model and to encourage other women to be empowered. But I also think that we want we want to be acknowledged and supported by the men in our lives as well. Um and not mm-hmm. you know, we we want we I think that women often choose men for reasons that are not necessarily in their own best interest, ultimately. might be in their short-term best interest in terms of support, uh, physical and monetary support and so on. But much more important is emotional support, and the stronger that you are, the more respect that you get from, from men. You know, it's and and you yeah. don't have to fight for it. You just have to be who you are in the world and say what you're going to say. And it, that's an automatic uh, automatic tool, in a way, to, to be respected. Yeah. 
You're not saying, oh, you don't respect me. You're, you know, you're just going away on your own path and doing what you believe in, and either somebody will respect that or they won't. And it's up to yeah. you to choose somebody, somebody's a community that will, that will honor you for exactly. who you are and what you know and what you do and what you, what you are. Well said. Well said. Well, um, I think that about uh, wraps it up for us tonight. Um, unless um, you know, there's uh, something you want to close with. Other than that, that, that sounded perfect to me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, do bless yourself. Really, it, it's it's what I was going to say before was uh, that the more you bless yourself, the more you believe it, and the more you believe it, the more you project it, and the more you project it. You get it in return. It's like giving. And it gets bigger yeah. and bigger and bigger and bigger. And I'm not talking about being a diva or, as the kids say, all that. You know, it's just mm. knowing who mm-hmm. you are. And there's nothing as attractive as a woman who feels at ease and uncomfortable with who she is. And that is true power. Here, here. I agree. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, dear listeners, you have been listening to the wisdom of Mama Donna Hennis. Uh, pick up uh, a copy of Awaken the Feminine and read her essay, Owning Our Power and Using It, or uh, or her own books. Um, uh, Donna, please uh, mention your titles and website and everything again, please. Sure. Well, the book that I really do especially recommend for this conversation is The Queen of Myself. Um, uh, My website, and it's a brand new website, by the way, so please do visit it, uh, is Donna, D-O-N-N-A, Hennes, H-E-N-E-S, like Sam, um, dot com. And uh, all the books are on there. The books are on Amazon. It's not hard to find the books. But the Queen book is really helpful. There are a lot of things to think about. There's a lot of stuff about power. There are a lot of exercises. And if you would like, you can just send me an email at cityshaman at aol.com. You can see how long I've had that email address. Um, and I can put you on the mailing list because uh, every month comes out the Queen's Chronicles, and so it's an ongoing discussion of female power. And it's wonderful, too. I uh, often read stuff from it, uh, giving you credit, of course, uh, read stuff from it uh, uh, here on the show. And oh. um, the last one I read was the one for Valentine's Day. Oh. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, definitely, listeners, you, you, you want to get on her, on her mailing list there, uh, without a doubt. Well, uh, Donna, thank you. Uh, thank you so much for tonight and for your contribution to the anthology and uh, for being out there in the world doing what you do. Thank you, Karen, for ditto reasons. <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right. Well, I'm sure we'll be in touch, and um, uh, please don't hesitate to get uh, get back in touch with me if you have anything you think listeners uh, should know about. Okay, Donna? 
Sure. Thank you. Okay. Good night. Good night. Well, speaking of new websites, um, I want to mention that I actually have a new website. Um, if you have been trying to reach me and you've been going to KarenTate.com, well, I lost that website. Uh, long story, uh, but I was not able to renew it a few months ago. It apparently now is in the hands of some anonymous person in Cambodia. And uh, I'm sure before long he will be trying to ransom that website back to me at some ungodly amount of money, thinking I am foolish enough to buy it back from him. But no, no, no. Uh, I have instead moved on uh, to a whole new website. Uh, so if you uh, want to make sure you stay in touch with me, just go to KarenTate.net now. Uh, the website is filled with KarenTate.com. However, it will take you to some crazy site where they're selling Lord knows what. Uh, it is not me anymore. Uh, so if, if you want to find me, and I do encourage you to go look at my new website. I'm very proud of it. I built a lot of it myself using Wix.com. Um, just go to KarenTate.net, and you will see my new face to the world. Uh, and also, if you've been trying to reach me, my new email address is KarenTate108 at Yahoo.com. And you can always find me on Facebook. Just look up the title of one of my books or just look up Karen Tate, uh, and uh, you will certainly find me there. And you can always send me a private message. I don't think it's too hard to find me. But I did want to mention that uh, because uh, a couple people did go to KarenTate.com and thought, well, what the heck happened? Uh, and that's, uh, that's exactly what happened. And, uh, but you know what? I am looking at it as a gift because that really enabled me to rethink uh, the face that I show the world. And um, I think the new one is actually more me and more appropriate. Um, personally, I, I love the pictures that are on it. It uh, feels more like who I am today. And uh, so that loss was actually... Uh, a, a, a real gift, I, I do believe. So KarenTate.net. And please do go pick up a copy of Awaken the Feminine. Uh, you can get it at Amazon. Uh, you can get one from me. You probably can get one from any of the contributors. I know a lot of the contributors also bought copies. Uh, we're all happy to um, sign those and uh, get those to you because you know, I think a lot of us realize that, uh, you know, what is going on out there doesn't work for most of us. And we have to have the courage to rethink things. And, um, you know, none of us have all the answers, but a lot of us have pieces to the puzzle. And with each of these anthologies, which I have started calling the Manifesting a New Normal uh, Trilogy, you know, each of the people who, men and women, who have contributed uh, to these three anthologies, uh, Awaken the Feminine, Goddess 2.0, uh, Voices of the Sacred Feminine, which was the first anthology, um, you know, we are all encouraging not just ourselves but each other to have the courage to rethink things, um, even if it's uncomfortable. You know, uh, because there's a lot of things that we have accepted as normal that we shouldn't have. Um, and uh, it's about time we get around to um, creating a roadmap 
for that new world we all know and believe is possible. Uh, but first we have to figure out what we want so that we can uh, vision it. And once we can vision it, we can start to manifest it. So please go to the anthologies. Um, look at all the work of the contributors. They all have incredible bodies of work um, you know, that they have been um, sharing with the world for years. Uh, there's so much talent out there, so much wisdom out there. Um, you you want to have these books, no doubt, uh, in your library. And um, these ideas will no doubt spark your imagination and uh, maybe give you some inspiration and motivation. So um, I guess that's about all I have to say for tonight, uh, except uh, stay warm, uh, be safe. Uh, last night where I am, uh, up on our mountain at 5,000 feet, we had the most incredible lightning storm. But I've got to tell you, some of the thunder, I thought I was in Thor's bowling alley. Um, some of those uh, thunderbolts actually felt like earthquakes. Um, it was both scary and exhilarating, I have to say. So anyway, uh, be safe, be warm. Uh, thank you for tuning in. Uh, please do uh, look at all the um, interviews in the archives. 99.9% um, .9 of them are as relevant today as they were when uh, I first interviewed these, uh, these wise uh, women and men who have been on the show. And do thank, I do thank you for your listener loyalty because you are truly uh, the gas in my tank that keeps me going year in and year out. Um, uh, so uh, I guess that about does it for me. Um, thank you very much, and thank you to Mama Donna Hennis for being with us tonight. Uh, be, be good, but not too good. <laughs> and uh, I will be back next Wednesday. Good night.